Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. That responsory in the psalm sums up nicely the entire Advent project, which is for us to turn to the Lord more completely after perhaps throughout the year having turned away from Him, having turned away from Him to focus on the cares and anxieties and worries of our day-to-day lives, or maybe having turned away from Him in shame because of some of our imperfections, or in our fear or insecurity, maybe in our anger at Him because what we wanted, what we felt we needed, He didn't give. And so we turned away. Well, all of Advent has been us turning back to Him so that we can see His face once more. So we can see His face in the way that He deals with us directly in our prayer. So we can see His face in the people around us, the people that we're called to love and to serve. So we can see his face, and here's the difficult one, in our own selves. Because like, even though sometimes we might think the worst about other people, we know the worst about ourselves. And so sometimes we don't really see God when we look in the reflection in the mirror. We don't see a beloved son or daughter of God, we just see a perpetual failure. Or we see a perpetual victim. But whatever the case may be, we don't see something that inspires hope within us. We don't see the face of God looking at us with love. And so Advent is this project of us turning back to Him. Of us being able to once again recognize His face. And we do that by growing in virtue. Right? We've been reflecting on the four cardinal virtues, those virtues that make of us better gifts to each other. Right? That's, that's been our, our theme for these four weeks. It's been, how can I make of myself not just somebody to tolerate in my family or in the workplace, not just someone that, okay, I guess we still have to stick together, but someone who's actually a gift to the people that he or she encounters. Somebody that can truly be a gift to their own souls, right? For for us to be able to be gifts to our own selves. What do I mean by that? I mean that we can consistently work toward our eternal good. Give our souls what they truly need. We've also, and most importantly, wanted to be gifts to the Lord God Almighty. He who gives himself as a gift for us at Christmas, we want to make ourselves good gifts to him throughout this Advent. We've done so by reflecting on virtue, that which makes doing the good second nature. So we've reflected first on prudence on how to be able to quickly and naturally know what the good is in any situation. Then be able to choose decisively among all the options what is the best one, and then to actually do it. That was the blueprint of all of the virtues, that every virtuous action has that dynamic to it, that you know the good, choose the best way to it, and and then actually do something. Then we put that into into practice in weeks two and three with justice and fortitude. Justice, knowing what is due to another, what we owe to other people, what we owe to our own souls, what we owe to God, and then how to be just people. 
how to give their due to everybody that we encounter. Then after that, we moved on to how do we put that into practice when life gets tough? Through the virtue of fortitude, which allows you to, when life becomes more difficult, you become more Christian, not less. Because it's so easy to justify our way into evil behavior. To give ourselves a pass and say like, oh, no, 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 everybody else was cutting corners. I had to as well just to keep up. And to little by little erode our integrity until we're a shell of those people that we truly desire to be. So we've had those virtues that we've reflected upon up to this point. But I'd like to reflect on virtue in general one last time before moving on to today's specific virtue. Because growth in virtue, we want it to be this immediate thing. I prayed for it. And God gave me the grace, and now I'm basically Mother Teresa, but just a little bit better. Right? We, we want to just immediately grow by leaps and bounds, but that's not the way of human growth. No, we grow slowly, often imperceptibly. We grow in a way that isn't spectacular, but rather built upon tiny little everyday choices. And the first reading shows us this dynamic in play, how something great can come from something small. We read from the prophet Micah, Thus says the Lord, You, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too small to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. We see this tiny forgotten clan, this corner of, the, the, the Judea, of, of Judea, this place that should be forgotten, small, but from it comes something great. So in this reading, it begins noting how small Bethlehem Ephrathah is. And then at the very end, the last line of this reading, we have, And they shall remain, for now his greatness shall reach to the ends of the earth, and he shall be peace. From something small, insignificant, not spectacular, comes the greatest one that ever lived. Well, that dynamics in play and growth in virtue, because it is... Millions of small choices that make up the character that you are defined by. Right? It is those millions of small choices that make up virtue, that build up a habit, a second nature within you that is truly prudent, that is truly just, that is filled with fortitude, and that is temperate. And that is the cherry on top of the cardinal virtues that we get to talk about today is temperance. And that's a virtue that we don't really extol nearly as much. We might think justice is important, yeah, like I want justice in the world. We might think fortitude, that one's great, like I want courage is something that I aspire to, it's something that I admire. Prudence we recognize, like okay, yeah, you need prudence in every single action. But then temperance, and we're just like, okay, I get it, Father, I shouldn't drink too much. Got me. But what is temperance other than just, if it's good, don't do too much of it? No, temperance is balance. It's that harmony of the soul, much like justice, where we have a relationship with the things of this world that is healthy, that is good. That we are able to thank God for the good gifts in this world by using them properly. In fact, I'm reminded of a great quote by G.K. Chesterton where he says, You thank God best for the gifts of brandy and wine 
by not drinking too much of them. Right? By, by drinking them in moderation. By being able to say, this is a good thing, and I want it to remain a good thing, so I'm not going to go too far. I'm going to use but not abuse. I'm going to be able to thank you for this by asking you how I should properly use it. And that's the case for every created thing that is for us a source of pleasure. Right? We are not these... Ex- we, we, the beauty of temperance is that it is the, the mean, the balance between extremes. So it's not despising this world and its goods and pretending that what God created is bad. No, it's saying, God, what you created is good, and so I don't want to get lost in it. I don't want to abuse it to the point where I end up despising it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about there... I'm sure all of us know at least one person who gets sick at just the smell of tequila. (laughs) Right? Because, yeah, maybe they they had an experience where instead of saying, thank you, Lord, I will enjoy this in moderation, they said, I'm in college, let's go crazy. And now they can't even smell this stuff without starting to get sick. But it's not just drink. It's not just food. It's any good thing. If we don't have a right relationship to it, if we treat it as too great a good, if it gets in the way of the greatest good that is our Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to end up despising it. So this week we get to think, okay, how can I be more temperate in my life? What is it that I might be um, off kilter in the balance with? Is it drink? It might be. It might be that, man, just any time that I just want to drink a little bit to get the edge off and then, man, I'm six drinks in. Or it might be food. It might be that, that, that we eat and we think, this is such a good meal. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for it. This was delicious. I am full. Now let's get seconds and thirds. And then at the end of it, we just end up so bloated and just miserable and really not even enjoying the last several spoonfuls that we've shoveled into our mouths. Or it might be beyond food and drink, screen time. The fact that our phones can tell us how many hours a day we're averaging on them, it is a sobering fact. I'll sometimes check, you know, just just out of curiosity. Then I'll look at it and say, like, no, 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 somebody must have been stealing my, my phone for three hours a day. There's no chance that I was looking at my phone for that much each day. But no, it's true. So is the solution for me to throw my phone away and live as if the iPhone didn't exist? No, it's to be able to introduce the virtue of temperance so that I can use this good thing properly without the extreme of pretending that it's not a good thing and should be thrown away or pretending that it's no problem if I spend five hours looking at a little screen and missing the interactions with people, the beauty of God's creation. And so on and so forth for any good thing in our lives. This week we can ask ourselves, what's my relationship to it? Sleep, here's a big one. Do we neglect our sleep and not get enough? Do we maybe even wear that as a badge of honor, saying like, oh, yeah, look at me, I'm, I'm busier than you, I get less sleep. Sleep is a gift from the Lord. Do I fight in as much as it's in my power to be able to get enough of it? And I get there's periods in our lives that we just can't. But am I trying to have a right balance, a right relationship with food, with drink, with sleep, with social media, with screen time, With whatever it may be in your life, I don't know. But you and the Lord do. And so this week, that's something that we can work on. 
This week, we can maybe do something that's very difficult for us. Our challenge this week is to say no to ourselves, at least one time, with some good thing, right? So not saying no to some wicked temptation, but saying no to something that otherwise is fine. Just one thing, just one time. But to remind ourselves what it felt like when we were kids and mom or dad said no and we started throwing that temper tantrum. We think that we grow out of that, but really we just don't live with mom and dad anymore so they can't tell us no. We still have that within us to where, ooh, we hate that, the way that rings in our ears. No. But we need to have that strength of spirit to be able at times to say no. Even to a good thing. And then it becomes easier to say no to, to the bad things. In those moments of temptation, we've built up that muscle of being able to deny ourselves good things so that then we can refrain from the bad things. So I don't know what it will be for you. It could be uh, an extra episode of a show. It could be uh, uh, an alcoholic drink. It could be uh, not getting seconds. It could be uh, something greater. It could be like, you know what, I'm going to go a full day of fasting on just bread and water. I don't know what it is, but I pray that it can be something. So that this week, as we sprint into Christmas, we can do so prepared. We can do so having tried to learn the virtue of temperance. Having already, hopefully, uh, internalized the virtues of uh, prudence and justice and fortitude. And we recall, at the very end here of our reflections on the cardinal virtues, what St. Augustine says that they all end up being. He says, to live well is nothing other than to love God with all one's heart, with all one's soul, and with all one's efforts. From this it comes about that love is kept whole and uncorrupted through temperance. No misfortune can disturb it, and this is fortitude. It obeys only God, and this is justice, and is careful in discerning things, so as not to be surprised by deceit or trickery, and this is prudence. Friends, we have one more weak, in fact, less than that, in order to be able to redouble our efforts and say, Lord, you who come to me as the greatest gift that I will ever know, I want to come to you as a gift as well. Lord, in these weeks, I pray you've made me prudent. I pray you've made me just. I pray you've filled me with fortitude and with temperance. And I want to, through those virtues, become the greatest gift possible to my own soul and its yearning for salvation to the others in my life that you've given me, and to you, dear Lord, who gave me the inestimable gift of your own self.